All right. The Subcommittee on Indian and Insular Affairs will come to order. Without objection, the Chair is authorized to declare recess of the Subcommittee at any time. The Subcommittee is meeting today to hear testimony on economic diversification to create prosperous tribal economies. Under Committee Rule 4F, any oral opening statements at hearings are limited to the Chairman and the Ranking Minority Member. I therefore ask unanimous consent that all other members' opening statements be made part of the hearing record if they are submitted in accordance with Committee Rule 3.0. Without objection, so ordered. I ask unanimous consent that the gentleman from California, Mr. Huffman, be allowed to sit and participate in today's hearing. Without objection, so ordered. I will now recognize myself for an opening statement. I want to first thank all of our witnesses for making the trip here and being willing to discuss these important issues. Today's hearing is entitled Economic Diversification to Create Prosperous Tribal Economies. Today we will hear from tribal stakeholders on ways tribes have diversified their economies to create jobs, revenue, and opportunities that benefit tribes, tribal members, and their communities. Every local, state, federal, and tribal government knows that a diverse economy is healthy and resilient and will encourage entrepreneurship, innovation, and ultimately human flourishing. Since the 1970s, the federal government has embraced a tribal policy of self-determination which supports tribal governments to self-direct both services provided to their people and economic development plans that support tribal government services. Tribes have consistently sought to diversify their tribal economies through various means so that they can expand services to tribal members and build sustainable economies to benefit current and future generations. Many tribes have pursued agriculture, gaming, natural resource development, business ventures, tourism, and other avenues to build their economies. These ventures have impacted not only tribes and tribal members, but also the surrounding communities. In January 2020, estimates showed that tribal governments and tribal economies and economic enterprises provided over 1.1 million jobs within the U.S. economy, with most jobs held by non-tribal members. In many places, particularly our rural communities where tribes are present, the tribe or tribal enterprises are the leading employer in the area. For example, the collective tribal nations of Oklahoma contribute $15.6 billion to the economy and 113,442 jobs in 2019 alone. Over the years, they also contributed over $1.8 billion to public education and mental health services, with an additional $84 million going to support schools, municipalities, and other community initiatives. All that said, the overall impact of tribes on the U.S. economy is expansive and generally underreported. However, there continues to be many barriers for tribes when it comes to economic development and diversification. Real property is one of, if not the most important economic resource that our tribes have. Yet there are still a multitude of restrictions and requirements that can dictate how and when land can be used depending on its status. This subcommittee has held several hearings that have highlighted how bureaucratic red tape can stymie land use and natural resource development. 
Streamlining regulatory requirements so they are not duplicative or burdensome is crucial. Tribal nations and enterprises have also engaged in the recreation and tourism industries to tell their own stories and to develop unique experiences for domestic and international tourists. In 2021, American Indian, Alaska Native, and Native Hawaiian-owned tourism businesses provided 117,852 jobs across 40,618 businesses. These native tourism businesses contributed $14 billion to the total $1.7 trillion U.S. tourism-related industry. Tribes have had to overcome the challenge of not having a property tax base and have sought diverse revenue streams through business ventures. They have developed corporate structures that are sophisticated and innovative to enable incomes to tribal governments so that governmental services can be provided to members and supplement the federal funds that already support health and human services to our tribal members. I look forward to hearing all about how economic diversification has benefited tribes and where we can go from here. I again want to thank the witnesses for being with us today, and I look forward to hearing your testimony. The chair now recognizes the ranking minority member for her statement. Thank you so very much, Madam Chair, and I am always grateful for the wisdom and knowledge that our witnesses bring to this hearing room and bring to our efforts to improve issues and to address the issues that face Indian country, and today to help us learn how to best diversify and uh, grow tribal economies. Diversifying tribal economies and developing and expanding economic opportunities for your communities is critical for tribal self-determination and sovereignty. Economic sovereignty is an essential element of tribal sovereignty. And the manner in which tribes have experienced and grown that economic sovereignty is vast and growing. It is innovative. You are thinking out of the box, and you are getting things done that benefit not just your communities, but as noted, the rural communities within which you are located, the urban communities that we must remember many tribes are adjacent to and located within. Uh, our work in this subcommittee and in Congress should focus on what do we do to remove the barriers, to address the injustices that may limit the manner in which you can grow your tribal and ec your tribal economic endeavors. Over the last Congress and the last few years, we've made progress with historic legislation like the Inflation Reduction Act, which was intended to lower energy costs and open up new areas of possibility for tribal growth. Uh, the infrastructure law, because if we do not have the broadband, the electricity, the water, you cannot have business. Uh, the Chips and Science Act, because we need to start manufacturing in America, what we need in America, and it can be done on tribal lands just as well and oftentimes with better results and better opportunities than off tribal lands because of unique situations that tribe bring to the equation. The Inflation Reduction Act increased funding for the Tribal Energy Loan Guarantee Program from $2 billion to $20 billion to support tribal investment in energy-related projects. It also provided tribes access to direct pay tax incentives, which will support tribal energy projects being built more quickly and affordably through clean energy tax incentives. This was a priority of mine because I realized, I realized and recognized that we were not able to monetize 
the traditional tax incentives provided to the industry as we looked at renewable energy. It was something, an oversight that existed for decades, and now we are starting to change that. The infrastructure law set aside $13 billion for tribal infrastructure to fund essential services for tribes from broadband to transportation to water rights settlement. Once again, without water, you cannot grow a business. And the Chips and Science Act required the National Science Foundation to award grants through tribal colleges and universities program to increase participation in computer science and education programs. These historic investments made important projects possible, such as a $200,000 from the infrastructure law for the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma to install electric vehicle charging infrastructure to serve the larger Durant, Oklahoma area, or the $4.7 million for Zia Pueblo in New Mexico to connect over 200 unserved Native American households and small businesses to high-speed broadband. As we continue to implement this historic funding, I look forward to attending groundbreakings where we are putting up solar panels, buying infrastructure lines, and building essential facilities. This funding is all a step in the right direction and can be essential uh, for tribes to provide the economic stability in their communities and in the surrounding communities. But we know the work doesn't stop with the funding, and funding is not the only answer. Once these programs are out there, funding and resources must be accessible to tribes, and programs should be developed and implemented in coordination and with tribes in the lead. Uh, we need technical assistance uh, to access the funds so we don't leave a dime in D.C. when it can be put into the ground and into projects in your communities. We need to make sure that we address the complexities and the overlapping and uh, multiplicity of requirements to be able to use your very own land uh, for these projects, the leasing, the right-of-way. We need to get it down and get it down so it's working and working quickly for again. Otherwise, we really are not upholding our trust and treaty obligations to tribal nations. Time and time again, this committee has heard how difficult it can be to get funding on the ground and concerns regarding the lack of consultation in expanding projects in their areas. This cannot remain the status quo. While unemployment, limited housing, limited workforce housing, and undeveloped infrastructure remain real issues in Indian country, we in the federal government, we in Congress, need to do more to make sure these resources we are developing and implementing are reaching your communities. I look forward to hearing from each of you about how we can get that done, about what we need to do to remove these ob obstacles. We need to know how do we get the great things that you're already doing from river restoration, tourism, clean energy, natural resources project, uh, all the businesses, the manufacturing, how can we make sure that this is uh, not the end but the beginning as we build the blocks of economic sovereignty for your communities? Thank you once again for being here today. With that, I yield back. Thank you, and I will now introduce our witnesses for our panel. Mr. Justin A. Hostein, how did I do with that? Very good. <laughs> is the Executive Director for the Navajo Nation Washington Office, Washington, D.C. Ms. Sherry Rupert, CEO, American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I also would like to recognize Mr. Huffman for one minute to introduce the witness from his district.
Uh, Madam Chairman, thank you. I'm proud to introduce Raymond Bacon. He's the Executive Director of Economic Development for the Yurok Tribe in my district. It is California's largest Native American tribe. Uh, ancestral lands of the Yurok are on the north coast, beautiful north coast. Uh, and the Yurok have supported countless strategic investments and innovative strategies uh, in our region. They've got a portfolio that includes 13 businesses, four sister corporations. They've carefully developed a variety of revenue streams for economic resilience and expanded their business operations to encompass several different sectors, hospitality, of course, with their golf course, uh, cutting-edge technology with their uh, aviation LIDAR mapping and a fuel mart division. Uh, their forward-thinking approach extends beyond traditional sectors and uh, is exemplified by the telecommunications corporation the tribe has, which is expanding broadband accessibility in our region. Um, all of these are success stories that I think will contribute to this important conversation today. So welcome, Mr. Bacon. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Huffman. And finally, Mr. Lance Morgan, President and CEO, Ho-Chunk Inc., Winnebago, Nebraska. Let me remind the witnesses that under committee rules, they must limit their oral statements to five minutes, but their entire statement will appear in the record. To begin your testimony, please press the talk button on the microphone, and we use timing lights. When you begin, the light will turn green. When you have one minute left, the light will turn yellow, and at the end of five minutes, the light will turn red, and I will ask you to please complete your statements. I will also allow all witnesses on the panel to testify before member questioning. The chair now recognizes Mr. Justin A. Hostein for five minutes. <laughs> 